Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 242, and today we'll be talking about the graphic novel Camp Pining Play. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, you know, for, for every comic product, I have to say it, but... You know, I'd really like to see this comic turned into an episode. <laughs> well, I think the writer had the same idea. I love the whole discussion that they go into about, <laughs> you know, Paradox really thinks that the fan fiction is so good that it should be made into its own show. And it kind of made me think about all our past discussions on where comics fit in with the show and how one of the highest compliments we give comics is that they should be an episode. But at the same time, kind of this comic, well, this graphic novel and others sort of get to go above and beyond the show by having stories that don't feature Steven. And so this one kind of especially does that. So it both really evokes the show and does so much that the show hasn't done before with some of the characters. (laughs) The focus on Lapis and Peridot, brilliant. I mean, it feels almost like a critical part of some of their development, especially as we'll talk about later, I'm sure, further exploring Lapis's feelings about fusion. Yeah. I mean, is, is there any question that were she to eventually fuse, it would have to be with Peridot first? I, there was such an amazing piece, like, right in the middle of the comic, or, or right after sort of the middle, where <laughs> it was very clear as Steven was initially rehearsing with Lapis that that was never going to have the right chemistry at all. And so I immediately, like, the first time I see Steven sweating it out <laughs> on stage, I'm like, oh, Peridot is going to have to get on there. But then they really don't go that direction with having Peridot just, like, fill in Steven last second, and I really enjoyed that. I don't know if it's truly a subversion, but the direction they went with how they overcame Lapis's nervousness was great. Also, it was never really Steven's fault. It wasn't really that they had bad chemistry. It was just that Lapis was not committed to doing any fusing, fake or not. Oh, yeah. I I, I like the human pyramid they ended up with. I mean, I, I don't see what they're accomplishing, and I definitely don't know where all the green smoke came from. (laughs) Yeah, the special effects was pumped up right at the end. (laughs) I like the initiative. Good hustle out there, guys. I I just like some of the the funny little things they did, like Sour Cream having the the light on the the string when Peridot has her idea. Yeah, well, (laughs) her disappointment with the props in general was kind of hilarious, even though they tried really hard. Onion Scissors definitely (laughs) put him... Right next to Bismuth, as far as being able to equip the Crystal Gems in Future Battle. So that was (laughs) interesting, but uh, nobody else was really able to make anything useful. But that's okay, because I don't think the show really needed props by the time we saw it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about the pining heart. Which, okay, so bringing it back to like near the beginning of the comic... I didn't even realize initially (laughs) that that the fanfiction was being written by uh, some user online, which turned out to be Lars. I thought it was, that was like Peridot's uh, username. (laughs) Well, no, as soon as I was reading the text, I'm like, this this text is awfully descriptive. This sounds like Peridot writing. And so it wasn't until they talked about finding the human fanfiction author that I'm like, oh, it wasn't their fanfiction, you know, because it makes sense. Them talking about, oh, clearly our fanfiction is the superior one. Right. And so (laughs) revealing, well, plus I was like really trying to read into the username and like 54D, 4ND, lonely. Sad and lonely. Well, see, I didn't realize it was very obviously sad and lonely because somehow I was trying to pronounce the like 54 part. So I'm like, 
fight for, uh, defend, <laughs> lonely. <laughs> I was thinking it tied into the Crystal Gems mission. This is the deep Lunar Sea Spire analysis that, um, uh, that I go into sometimes. But no, it was really much more simple. <laughs> Well, this is how we were able to finally get that nothing but net joke from Raymond's debut in OKKO. <laughs> well, yeah, or maybe too heavily analyzing things keeps you from seeing the simple jokes. But yeah. Also, there was a ton of great detail on the webpage where Peridot was analyzing the... Oh, yeah. called it the analytics. Yeah, her stats. <laughs> like... All three scenes in the fanfic were very romantically rewarding, in her words. And uh, also, there were two non-accidental hand touches out of the five <laughs> total hand touches <laughs> in it. So, oh, that was, again, that that is, you know what I don't understand about the that the app tracer when she said, oh, you know, I, I, I just thought it was going to be something, oh, yeah, it, like, traces IP addresses in junk. No, it, it turns out that, like, she spits in a bunch of garbage and it randomly spits out the correct person. Well, yeah, I do feel like her criteria that she uses to find Lars is a little harsh. Like, after seeing Lars's parents, I don't know if I would describe Lars They'd as... probably hug him a lot. Yeah, I don't know if I'd describe him as someone who doesn't get a lot of hugs. That's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that, that boy is not starving for hugs, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's the, the deliberately non-canon thing that... I mean, like, Ian Jones Cordy put in something non-canon on purpose. Maybe we got a deliberately non-canon thing here. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, that's as close as I felt to it being a little off from the show. I did enjoy just imagining that Peridot had fully learned, like, coding and just actually used human coding to, like, program her tablet. I don't know. She's just so integrated on Earth, and I find that hilarious. That probably has, like, some advanced gem AI in it, and it's like, oh, what is she asking? Oh, she wants something about the fanfiction? Let me trace that for her real quick. <laughs> well, that would be... <laughs> That's the only logical explanation. <laughs> See, but with gems, though, they'll never make their own AI because they'll just keep embedding things. So now I'm horrifyingly thinking of a little gem shard shoved yeah. up into the like U micro USB port of the tablet. But I'm <laughs> sure Peridot wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah, you know, she, she wouldn't just shove it in. She'd have to create an adapter. <laughs> Dark Truths. So Lars is a big fanfic buff, speaking of non-canon things. I mean, we definitely have Lars from the show established as a character who tries to hide all the things he thinks is, is uncool about himself. But I can't believe that he really is a prolific writer. <laughs> I guess he has the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I got definite Tiger Philanthropist vibes from the scene where they go to talk to him at the Big Donut, because Sadie gets mad at him. Uh, not just for denying the fanfiction, but also for, you know, making a big mess on the floor. And she's like, uh, and it just reminds me of how Steven is so obviously Tiger Millionaire and how Lars just doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, also very much like an episode, Lars barely learns a lesson the whole time <laughs> because he just keeps trying to hide from this fact. Also, he's a terrible master of disguise between this, you know, took me a really long time to figure out that the guy who looks exactly like Lars wearing sunglasses was Lars wearing sunglasses. Well, you know what, David? You can deal with it. <laughs> well, his mask too was terrible when he's like running away after his audition and he's like, I'm not Lars. <laughs> oh man, you want to talk about the audition. I love what they did with the, the chairs, you know, you see Lars and you see all the open chairs and then Lepus goes to take a seat and then Peridot has somehow managed to slip into one only for Lepus to sit on her. 
Yeah, that was the biggest amount of fan service I think that they possibly could have given <laughs> the readers since they weren't given a Lapis Peridot fusion. And I did like how they recapped the both of them screaming at each other just like Peridot and Steven did in the bathroom. Oh yeah, the bathroom toothbrush scene when Steven gets recruited to be Pierre? Uh, yes. Excited to be Pierre. I gotta admit though, the casting, yeah, I wouldn't know. I'm glad that Peridot has Steven on her list, well, on the top of her list of most handsome humans, or Claude's, as she refers to our species, but, um, yeah, <laughs> he did fine. Apparently having him and Connie both in the play, though, really, uh, created a lot of extra work <laughs> for Peridot. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the auditions, I love the I love the running joke with the faces as the reaction. How Lapis is enthused by no one, and Peridot is enthused by everyone. Yeah, it took me a while to catch on to that. I just enjoyed seeing the four faces. That was a nice, like, clever and concise way to like capture how the multiple casting directors were doing things. Also. I enjoyed having the full cast of Beach City participate in this just yeah. because comic artists get to draw a ton of outfits because in like the regular show, not regular show, but in Steven Universe, we, uh, you know, don't get as many costume changes. That's another place where the comics, I don't think we've mentioned this before, but comics really get to have as much fun as they want putting characters in new things, new outfits, because uh, you don't have to animate them. You only have to draw them for a few yeah. frames. So seeing cool kids and Greg and Mr. Smiley and every and Onion, yeah, you know, yeah. constantly changing costumes was uh, pretty entertaining. Garnet in a squirrel outfit. Yes. As soon as I saw that, I was like, that's going to appeal to... Um, to the people who enjoy Marvel this. Marvel comics enthusiasts, <laughs> yeah, yeah. obviously. Yes. <laughs> we we now have a new costume for Squirrel Girl. That that's what clearly what you were going to say. Yes, yes. Well, I was gonna mention that okay KO episode that also yeah. includes um it's a thriving community. So <laughs> uh, just 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 leafing through, I I like Peridot's little thing where she she's dancing around Lapis saying, Ha, I laugh in the face of props. No one can defeat me and then my personal favorite. What is the physical plane if I refuse to acknowledge it? <laughs> yeah, the way Peridot escalates to denying the physical reality of our universe is um <laughs> She rejects your reality and substitutes her own. Yeah, it's very Peridot. But you know, just just going through it, like I, I saw uh they they had a running theme of Lapis definitely being, uh, well, this is too hard, let's just give up. And Peridot being, no, we shall persevere! But, I, I don't know, I, I think they kind of, with the fusion thing, kind of came out of left field for me a little bit. Well, <laughs> which is sometimes how Steven <laughs> Universe episodes work, too, where the emotions come right in in the last two minutes, but... Really, I, really, I should have been paying more attention to when, when Peridot is talking about the thing, and, you know... Lapis did have a really scared look on her face before she decides to be like, okay, fine, for the good of the play. Right. Well, I definitely agree that they weren't suggesting anything about the fusion thing until the third act of, of the comic. So it definitely wasn't like set up the whole time, but it wasn't what the whole comic was about. There just needed to be some kind of emotional arc for the end and I like that they chose to address this little piece because it has the same way in the Ultimate Doedown where for that graphic novel's length we get to explore familiar enough territory between Lars and Sadie's relationship but you still get enough of a twist that it makes the comic feel like a relevant 
place to have this like second level canon. And here, I just like that even though in the show we've gone so far with seeing Lapis deal with her fusion with Jasper and her being trapped in a mirror forever, I think this was never fully said in the show where we all as fans really wanted to see, you know, like Paris and Lapidot fuse or really anyone fuse with uh, Lapis. This gives a really good justification as to why that didn't need to happen in the show and might not happen for a while in the new era of the show. Do, do my ears deceive me? Did I hear Paris and Lapidot? I think he did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said Lapidot. <laughs> Usually the ship name is Lapidot, but I like Paris. It's yeah. P-E-R-I-S. There you go. So apparently they're going to fuse twice in alternate realities and then fuse together. That'll be the residual effects of the time thingy <laughs> gem yeah. that uh, is still waiting to create some horrifying episode, <laughs> maybe titled <laughs> Paris and Lapidot. Go, go, going back to what we were talking about, I, I do appreciate how the story in the graphic novel kind of, it was a little bit setting up like this. this has to be about Peridot learning to give up control so everyone can have fun, you know, because we've seen cartoons like that. Like we have the, the SpongeBob house party episode where he's ruining the party and then he gets locked out and then everyone starts having fun once, you know, he's not there to ruin everything. But it's instead Peridot's like, you know what? It's fine. We're just going to do it this way then. And so yeah. then they then they introduced Lapis's emotional struggle at the end because I guess we needed a conclusion. Well, it demonstrated, I liked how it was really about, as far as Peridot's story, displaying how far she's grown, where she doesn't need, like, to be convinced that the play can be about just having fun. Like, she's matured enough as a character to be able to accept that kind of thing very quickly and move on because she's prioritized her friends and, and Lapis so much over her own interests and control. I'm I'm just happy I didn't have to read like 20 solid pages of Peridot making everyone unhappy before she finally learns her lesson. Right. I mean, this is like an ultimate example of everyone's cooperation. I mean, we've never seen this level of interaction of all the characters in the show, especially Peridot and Lapis. Yeah, not even when they were preparing for the attack of the diamonds, were they cooperating this closely? Like this is, this is some pretty heavy stuff. Well, this feels like the kind of gem and human or beach city resident interaction that would happen in the new era of the show that's coming. This is a preview of season six, is what it is. Well, yeah. Well, it's funny that it comes even before Nanaflaw becomes mayor. Yeah. It's that early on, and, you know, that definitely makes that part non-canon, this comic non-canon, just because of how much everyone interacts, and later on, they're definitely going to have to reintroduce themselves for the first time. I mean, we could could go and list off all the reasons why this, this graphic novel definitely isn't canon, but, like, it's canon in my pining heart. <laughs> well, and speaking of pining hearts, you know, we've only seen such a small glimpse of it in the show. So it was really fun to have this comic start off with this really <laughs> fun little tale of the shell necklace getting lost in the bottom of the lake. And, I mean, uh, yeah, Percy, which <laughs> I'm going to say this, Lars, Lars, you are such a hack. Pierre already had to retrieve Paulette's friendship bracelet from the bottom of the lake. Think of something else for Pierre to do. We know he's good at swimming. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just how fanfics are, right? I love how this comic captured you oh, know, yeah. the fanfic realm, which, of course, you know, I'm not familiar with that at all. So, you know. I, I know nothing <laughs> of fanfiction, so. 
I'm going to have to take Lapis and Peridot's word for it. Yeah. But even, you know, Peridot goes through describing like how she stumbled across fanfic in the first place. (laughs) And I thought that just captured a very specific experience of searching for the official website, finding fan art. And then the fan art links to a fanfic. And then she supposedly maybe even read all of the fanfic ever of yeah. Campfinding Arts and decided Lars is, was the best. So. Clearly the superior one. Which, you know, Lars should really feel honored by that since now he can add that to baking as things he should yeah. really relish being good at. Hmm. I mean, he's He's got a wealth of career possibilities ahead of him. <laughs> I will say this, Pearl makes a very cute Paulette, but then there's not much that Pearl does not make a cute one of those things. <laughs> I liked how as the play adapted that Pearl's role became the same role she has in show, <laughs> being, you know, Steven's past best friend <laughs> in the camp. That is that is really good. We, we begin our story of friendship and love with the moving tale of when Percy left my grasp. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like deja vu all over again for Pearl. We're going to talk about silly visual gags. I loved the roasting the whole hamburgers over the fire. <laughs> yeah, Steven really wanted to get the lines about hamburgers in and overall integrate that into his character. So I don't know if he's ever roasted hamburgers over a fire, but I enjoyed that. I just love the I love the show within a show, and I love how you know Inception-y we have to go deeper. This starts out because we're reading a graphic novel about a fan fiction of a show within a show, which is adapted into a play. <laughs> yep. Again, we, we we have to go deeper. Oh, and just just cute random things. I love the Percy and Paulette stuffed animals. Yeah, I can't believe. Maybe we can get a fanfic side comic of the alternate reality where Lapis agrees with Peridot that the sock puppet show is good (laughs) enough. And then we just get a sock puppet rendition. No, 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 no. And we'll be like seven layers into this thing. They need to sell like little stuffed animals so I can have a beaver Percy and a fox Paulette. (laughs) Or sock equivalents. Hmm. You could have a beaver Percy <laughs> as the left sock. I don't know. This could be a good idea. Maybe it's a terrible But they'd idea. be different colors. Well, who doesn't love uh, not matching socks? That's a thing. Mm, of course, onion strong enough to break everything except for an amethyst okay. necklace. Yeah, I love how he started tugging on amethyst. But I was like wondering if she was going to like make a face that reacted to that. But it looked like she was pretty chill being the necklace, whereas onion couldn't break it at all. She's like, yeah, I'm a gem warrior. Do your worst, little man. Well, which is funny, too, because there was that one like zine or something where onion somehow poofed multiple gems for them so you know i will say the comics disagree canon wise as to whether he is you know a great defeater of gems or not i guess in show he wasn't able to defeat the crystal gems even though he was shooting full vehicles at them so yeah garnet's pretty tough yeah well did you have any more thoughts on camp pining play uh if you haven't grabbed a copy of it i totally recommend it i think that the writer Nicole Menino did a great job, and the illustrator Lisa Stirl did great. Trying to give shout-outs now to the people who are making these more often because, um, I don't know, they do really good jobs. And we didn't speak too much about the art style, but I think that that's because it just fit really well with the whole 
thing. Yeah, the the art the art style was matched to the show really really well. I, I and I love it. I love it when the artists make the effort to do that. I, I know some people really like to to see the show expressed in different styles, but for me, I, I got to see the show like mimicked in style. So I appreciate it when they do that for me. Yeah. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Camp Pining Play. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.